0: Seth, Breedlove, love. Greg Bennett, how are you all today? Doing well. Good. So, uh, this episode of uh Jim Jam, the Jim Jam show, uh, it's going to be more cryptid and uh based and stuff. So, uh let's just get into it. So, uh I want to ask you real quick, Seth, what got you in your love for cryptids?
1: Um uh boredom. Uh you know, I I I uh I say all the time, I think I need to come up with like concoct a really elaborate origin story or something. Um, because I don't have one. Um I worked a really boring job that involved a lot of time spent listening to podcasts actually. And um because of that I got into um yeah, I got into cryptids and the paranormal through uh, just boredom. And uh, and then over time, I, I kind of like formulated my own opinions about things and wanted to look into it for myself. And, um, you know, I went from there. But yeah, I mean, initially, it was just I had a lot of free time on my hands. and um, And so I listened to a lot of podcasts and did a lot of reading and learned about the topic uh because of that but i never had
0: like my own experience or anything cool like that yeah i haven't i haven't really had a experience i don't think with a cryptid but um i'm uh like the was it x-files thing says i want to believe Mm -hmm. but i don't know what i would do if i i come across the bigfoot in the woods i'd probably shit myself (laughs) that's
1: not that bad um I just had uh, a run in last weekend with some Bigfoots in the woods in in Ohio, and it was um, it was it wasn't that bad.
0: So I guess obviously they didn't hurt you or anything, cause <laughs> I, guess no, I mean, we had...
1: yeah no. Uh, I mean that's what you got to tell yourself in the moment too is like uh, if they were out there like killing people or attacking people, we would know for a fact they exist. Yeah, um, and they so they clearly are not like horrendously violent by any stretch of the imagination so um, you know I'm pretty convinced they exist I'm like 98 99% I actually saw something last weekend for the first time um, running across the pipeline outside of Minerva um, just this brown dark brown hair covered uh, what looked like a human just sprinting hair covered human Sprinting across the pipeline uh, last weekend. So you kind of, yeah. I mean, the reality of it is, it's, it's a. If they're there, you know, it's probably some sort of animal um, yeah. that likes to stay hidden, curious, curious kind of animal. And uh, in the moment, despite the fact that your fear really takes over. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you just kind of tell yourself that they're, if they're, you know, if they're there, if they're real, they're probably not going to tear you limb from from them despite the fact that they very probably could.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I guess they wouldn't better stay hid out if uh they're out there murdering people because they'd probably get hunted big time then.
1: Yeah. No, I think I think, you know, occasionally there's probably missing persons cases and things like that that are that are accounted for by Bigfoot attacks, you know, maybe, but um I think for the for the large part they're they're very shy um they're curious for sure they're curious we had one come up to our cabin um last friday night to within like 20 feet of our cabin um uh and we had a we had them approach us in the woods uh very curious but i don't think they yeah i don't think they're there to like mess you up i think they kind of want to check you out and then go about their their lives i think they're pretty shy the
2: last uh uh missing four one one kind of alluded to that though, didn't it like uh that maybe Bigfoots were responsible for some of these missing people
1: um yeah, I mean i you know what honestly i don't I haven't gotten into the missing four one one stuff uh too much I've been around david and uh and we've you know like I've spoken to him, but um as far as missing four one one goes, one of the things that's always bothered me is he doesn't really come forward with what he thinks about anything which i kind of get yeah um but i don't know if if that's what he's alluding to i I, he definitely alludes to a lot of things but then if you approach him about any of those things he kind of plays it off like no that's not what he meant so i don't i have no idea what he thinks you know like native american in native american legends a lot of the especially out in the the um pacific northwest you know they have these legends about child thieves that come in the night and take children and things like that and a lot of that is supposed to be related in some form or fashion to Bigfoot um so it's possible you know that occasionally that is a thing they do I don't um I just don't think it would be a common occurrence by any you know stretch of the imagination you know if you look at like what, what is it? I just read the other day and the numbers shocked me, but in like 50 years, there's only been something like 70 grizzly kills, like where a grizzly bear killed someone. And, um, you know, and the numbers actually get smaller. That's the most, you know, uh, the, the most kills that any predatory animal can have or has in, in like 50 years. And those numbers are surprising to me. Um, I think when it comes to Bigfoot, if these things are killing people, it's, it's not often, you know, maybe maybe a couple every 40, 50 years, something like that. that especially me- in a place like Minerva, you know, like I was thinking about that while we were out there, the logistics that would have to, the, the logistics of like, let's say one of these things kill me. I'm in Minerva, Ohio. There's going to be a massive search effort that takes place. I'm here with like five or six other people we actually had our kids with us so there's children like what what you know the the search parties that would descend on that town the investigation that would go into trying to find out what had happened you know like we would know they were real if if that kind of thing was happening on on the reg and so I I don't think it's I don't think it's a common occurrence but I know that's the hot that's one of the in, in Bigfoot lore and in the Bigfoot community right now, like Bigfoot killing people's like one of the hot button topics. People love it. Um, and that's fine, but yeah, realistically I don't think it happens.
0: Well, that makes me think about Greg did a review for this, uh, the Sasquatch, uh, Hulu, uh, I guess docu series kind of thing. Yeah. They, they used, uh, Sasquatch just to promote it pretty much because, uh, I guess Sasquatch, they said Sasquatch killed two people or something, but really it was drug dealers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Greg was pretty pissed about that.
1: Yeah, I I was not happy with that little series. (laughs) Yeah, we, we actually, we kind of did our own take on that topic um with our beyond the trail series that's on youtube i know alex and eli actually went up to the same area same general area and went into like one of those uh pot grows um i don't know i don't think they did a ton of filming in there but i know they they did some shooting up in that area where all that was set so um did they say
0: was it as bad as what that docuseries played it out to be uh,
1: as far as dangerous, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, they yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I would say you got to be real careful wandering around the woods in Northern California right now. Uh, you you wander onto the wrong property and you might not be coming back. And and it's not because of a Bigfoot.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, people don't you don't be messing with people's marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um you have a new uh, a new film out. Uh Greg actually reviewed it. Uh, mm-hmm. Skinwalker. What was the I'm sorry, I'm bad with I got bad memory, but uh what was it called, Greg?
2: The Howl of the Rougarou.
0: Rougarou. Mm-hmm. So um how was it uh filming that and everything?
1: Um, I mean we shot last March, uh and one of the key points of the movie is about you know the coastal erosion that's going on in louisiana and the loss of land and the fact that the people there are trying to cling to what remains of the land that once was and then ida hit and now from what i've seen i mean homa which is like the small town at the center of our movie homo was kind of like hit the hardest by that hurricane so some points of HOMA aren't even standing anymore. The the Airbnb we stayed at, which was actually outside of HOMA, down down along the bayou, is completely gone. The Airbnb we actually stayed in got obliterated by uh, the storm. So, you know, I mean, I think in some ways we captured a way of life that might not exist anymore um, after after that storm. I mean, we definitely captured HOMA like it won't ever be again um and so that's that's pretty crazy to to think about it was it was a good shoot it was um you know I mean I think you you know we're not that familiar with like deep deep south we've been down to like Falk Arkansas and I grew up you know I have family from North Carolina and I've spent I spent most of my up, you know my my childhood traveling the south but we didn't get down into like the real deep you know southern swamps of like Louisiana ever so that was a bit of a shock for us I mean we were there in March and we're thinking March how many alligators can there be in the area and then um you know at literally the first place we went to shoot b-roll we encountered multiple snakes alligators were everywhere mm-hmm. we're like okay I guess I guess everything here wants to kill you mm-hmm. um so that was all you know I mean that was a learning curve for a bunch of guys from Ohio but uh it was a good shoot. We got some really good interviews with, you know, witnesses and experts, people from the area who could flesh out the story of the Ruguru. Um and then, you know, when it came to like shooting the recreations and stuff, that was probably the hardest part of this particular film. Um, you know, I think you you think of found footage as being like really unpolished and raw, and it is, but to capture that style in a way that is realistic is actually a ton of work and involves multiple takes. And, you know, we're not, we do multiple takes when we we do recreations, but it's usually just to get lines read in a certain way or to capture like a certain expression or something like that. Uh, This was, this is pretty wild. Like you would, you know, we, I guess the, the big one that stands out in my mind, there's a scene in the movie that's supposed to be like, you're seeing a home security camera and, um, that one took probably 30 or 40 takes to get, just, just running through it over and over again until I felt like we had something that was believable enough. And then I got into post and I realized like what we had didn't quite work either. So then you're like playing around a post trying to make it work. So, I mean, it was a learning curve for sure. Um, It, what it did is it made me want to try my hand at found footage like straight ahead found footage horror movie someday just because like I felt like we learned so much during the making of this one that I could potentially pull off something kind of cool I one thing that you know just in on the editing side of things one thing about this that the found footage style that I learned was I'm used to doing you know in in a in a movie you get probably a a take that's like five seconds long and then you do a, a you know, a, a, some coverage of like a hand moving or something. You're doing all these things that are like fairly quick, fairly quick shots. Found footage needs to be drawn out to be believable, and um, I think that was something that we kind of picked up as we went along, because we were still thinking in those sort of quick burst, um, you know, the, the the style we typically would bring to like a narrative style recreation. So that was a big learning curve. The whole the whole thing was a huge learning curve for everybody making the movie. But I I know like at the end of the day, the one thing I know about the movie that works is the blood reeds uh, scene. The scene we call the blood reeds, which is where the Rougarou chases this kid through a woods. Um, that that scene I'm I'm really excited about how that turned out. But overall, I think it all went pretty 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 good. Yeah, I
2: thought the end product was awesome. Right. Um, okay. Especially going into it, like I didn't know that much about the Ruru, mm-hmm. um, you know, so just uh, really nailed it as far as the mythology and then uh, getting into the, you know, religious aspect of it. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the different versions of the
1: story and everything. It was just really yeah. well done. Cool. Yeah. It's a it's it's a movie that um it, it, I think a lot more than than maybe not a lot more but maybe more so than some of our other ones i think this one really hinges on the lore and ties together all the all the disparate threads and um you know i think it also maybe some more so than some of our other movies it probably warrants multiple viewings because you can really pick up on how all the various <laughs> cultures that have that have uh, immigrated into Louisiana and form the story of the Rougarou and where those stories come from and how all those disparate threads come together to form this, you know, really interesting story. Um, I I thought that aspect of the movie alone was, was a, a big win for us.
0: Um, I wanted to ask this, Seth. Uh, when did uh, Small Town Monsters, when did you start that? Um,
1: you know, I, I we started filming Minerva Monster in 2014, um, and I formed the LLC or filed the LLC that fall. So t- basically, we've been around since 2014, but Small Town Monsters was also a book proposal before it was a movie, and that book proposal existed in 2013. So, you know, I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. We've, we've been around either like six or eight eight years, somewhere in that time frame. As a film production company, we've existed for just over six years, probably closer to seven years.
0: How many movies do you have or documentaries? Quite a lot, right?
1: I mean, it's, yeah, I'd say seventeen or eighteen in that neighborhood and then we have on the trail of UFOs, we have Beyond the Trail, which is on YouTube. I mean now we got you know we're really growing like the YouTube side of things now nowadays. Um and we're gonna launch next year we're launching multiple projects on YouTube as well. So yeah it's um I think yeah I think it's like close to twenty. I mean there's a reason, you know like the 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 reality of it is though people People don't know this because the business side of filmmaking isn't exciting to learn about. But I mean, when we started the company in 2014, things like Amazon having an open platform for filmmakers didn't exist. So by 2016, uh, they had opened up, Amazon had opened up their platform, Prime Video, to independent filmmakers and we could upload our own stuff we didn't have to deal with distributors we could go direct to the platform and they were great about working with filmmakers so you would contact people at Amazon you know whoever your handler was and you were talking directly to another human being and it was it was all really open and and cool and the payouts were great and so when we started STM we we technically in some ways even though our audience was much smaller then, it's massive now i mean we have an audience of millions now and back then it was thousands but when we had an audience of thousands per title your movies made more and so over time over time they've gradually gotten away from being supportive of independent filmmakers and it's become more and more automated so you're no longer dealing with people it's all based on algorithms and all that kind of stuff and so what you have to do is to keep up with the the loss of revenue again this is not exciting but the the reality is just to keep the business alive you have to create more product and so to create more more product you have to hire more people and and you know hopefully you're maintaining the quality we're always like really conscious of that like upping our game film to film but um you know i think something like youtube's cool for us because the hope is that over time we would be able to create more content for YouTube that would support the films. And the films would actually become less, um, there'd be less films per year. Um, So instead of like where we're at right now, which is like four or five this year, five movies that are coming out in 2021, we would go down to like two. And that way you're putting much more focus on the quality and the storytelling in those films. And it becomes more of an event. And you're you know, your quantity kind of content is coming out on YouTube. I think that's what we would really like to do.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, damn it. Jeff Bezos.
1: <laughs> yeah. Always,
0: real. always screwing the little man, ain't he? But anyways, yeah. uh, he's, he's just too worried about going to space. Oh, speaking of that, when when y'all going to try to go to space? We we gonna
1: Like fast nine or something fast and furious. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Go uh, uh, go explore the moon.
1: Hopefully hopefully this year that'd be great.
0: Yeah, small tail monsters presents the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Oh, Amen. <laughs> if only, right? Yeah. Well, well that question, would y'all go to space if uh if you know, you was able to. And it didn't cost a million dollars.
1: I mean if we could get Elon Musk to fund it, I'm sure I'm sure if anyone would do it it would be Musk. But yeah. Oh, um sure, why not? As long as I can you know I don't know, there's a lot of like people get sick in space and throw up and I could see that being like an unfortunate side effect if I weren't.
0: Two, I hear that you if you're up there too long you lose a lot of uh muscle and stuff because, you know, mm-hmm. no gravity. So Yeah.
1: That's not a big deal for me.
0: <laughs> well, I wanna get on uh Greg recently, was it last week, right? He, uh, he made the trip with some friends to, uh, Point Pleasant. So, yeah. Uh, Greg, would you tell us about it?
2: Yeah. So this is, it's we've had it planned for about a year now and have been kind of toying around with this idea. We, uh, we catfish a lot at night. Uh, typically at Percy Priest Lake, uh, here in the Smyrna, Murfreesboro area of Tennessee. Yeah. Um. Always see a lot of weird shit in the sky and everything, and and uh, you know we've always been fascinated with cryptids, and we kind of got this idea of just combining our two favorite things, right? So catfish and cryptids is kind of what we came up with. Mm-hmm. With the uh, first trip being Point Pleasant, of course, because you know Mothman's our favorite. But um, yeah. we set up at the the side of the Silver Bridge. You know, did some fishing there, um, really? fished over by the uh, Cornstalk uh, Monument. Mm-hmm. Um, we got really deep into the TNT area, like nice. well off the beaten path. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, I that's... stayed in there
1: for five days back in, in June of, or I guess it would have been May of 2017. I actually camped in there for like five days with a Japanese film crew it was yeah. like one of the weirdest we were on Japanese television and um yeah that the TNT area is pretty pretty rough like the especially yeah like those off the beaten path areas are crazy
2: yeah and uh it doesn't smell great out there you know yeah, yeah. i i fell in to the swamp area once so that was great
1: mhm um what's some of the craziest stuff you found in those igloos I mean i haven't found much we actually kayaked into one of them because there's there's a couple that are out in the ponds that you have to actually if you want to go in you got to kayak into them so um i mean that's probably the wildest thing that i've seen out there there's there's the one that has the blown off roof you know like the top of it's you can go inside and but um i haven't found anything too crazy there's ho- some hilarious graffiti on the TV. The, yeah. <laughs> there's, some, there's some ridiculous graffiti in some of them. Um I mean the craziest experience I had out in the TNT area was uh we had some off-duty police officers and we were setting trail cameras in this one building and we went down to another building. We're we're way back. We're actually on private property. Um the farm museum owns a section <clears throat> of the TNT area what used to be the tnt area actually over where the old aqueducts and stuff are so it's where the remaining structures are so we had left a trail cam in one of the structures and this is midnight i mean real late at night we hike down to another what what used to be an old water tower and we go in the water tower and uh while we're in the water tower we realize there's someone moving around in the building that we had just left we're seeing light flash and you know we we uh the cop the guys the off-duty cops we were with they're like you know what i bet that's kids stealing our trail cam and uh they actually drew guns and went up there and pulled guns on these guys it turned out it was a bunch of kids like teenagers wow. and they had they had snuck into this building and they didn't realize we were still around they were like stealing trying to steal the trail cam and they, these cops scared the crap out of them i mean they went in with guns on them oh, and. So it was, that, that was pretty funny. Uh, That's probably the, the craziest thing I've hap- had happened in the TNT area. We actually had something throw rocks at us and kind of like make some strange noise in there. But the thing about the TNT area, especially that side is there, there are houses that kind of border it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we were experiencing something unusual or if we just had some angry neighbors throwing rocks. It's hard to say. Right. And it is a, it is a, I mean, it's a,
2: tourist area you know people that are there for the mothman experience want to walk around but i don't think too many of them probably get off that main right main path you know
1: yeah people go to the that first row of igloos, that last row of igloos, technically and they walk it and they think they've seen the tnt area but it's a it's a huge area i mean there's you know it's like 18 thousand or 18 thousand acres 30 or maybe 30 thousand it's it's a good chunk of land
2: Good yeah, Lord. I think we thought originally there was maybe like ten of those igloos, but there's a, there's hundreds. Oh yeah, they're everywhere. Spread throughout there. Yeah. Um, one of them we found actually had one of the rusted containers still in it.
1: Yes. Yeah, you'll rusted. find that.
2: Yeah, and I that that terrified me because a local had told us maybe a couple years ago one of them exploded again. Yes. Yeah. So I it blew
1: sleeping. up. It blew up inside the TNT area and blew the roof off of it. That's what yeah 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 it wasn't that long ago i mean that area was an epa disaster area for a while mm-hmm. so it's not a. it's it's not yeah i wouldn't recommend going in the water
2: yeah we found lots of little like uh sample jugs from like the 80s yeah uh you know where they were apparently testing the, the water i would guess but yeah yeah it's, it's a cool area man super cool
0: did you take any for souvenirs greg
2: I ain't taking shit from there. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, didn't take anything. Took pictures. Um, Seth, I had a couple questions for you about, I mean, you you spent a lot of time in Point Pleasant. Yeah. uh, You know, with the films you made and everything, and you've talked a lot to the locals. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that we found really strange was you know everybody's all smiles and everything about mothman mm-hmm. but we really wanted to ask questions about Ingrid cold and ufo mm-hmm. sightings and yeah. it's almost like they would clam up on us nobody <laughs> wanted
1: to say anything about ufos nobody talked to us about ufos did That's you get weird. anything like that no, I've always I've actually always found that UFOs, people are more open about UFOs and men in black there when I go than than they are about Mothman. I find it it's difficult to find anyone to talk to about Mothman. But though I typically have no issue finding people that are are more than willing to talk about UFOs, um, you know, Dark Sky or, or on the trail of UFOs, Dark Sky, the impetus for that movie was originally we were going to do a a section in the mothman legacy that was solely about ufos after the bridge collapse Mm -hmm. but there were so many there's so many ufo sightings that it it would have i I didn't know how to pare that down um i've never had any issue with that when it comes to point pleasant and and ufos i always find it's very easy i mean even like jeff wamsley jeff wamsley's family had ufo sightings and stuff like that um so yeah I, i never encountered that um that's, men that's in black and,
2: yeah. and
1: ufos i had no problem turning up witnesses
2: yeah our like uh you know i guess dream spot to visit we wanted to get as close as possible to where woodrow Derenberger met Indrid cold yeah that,
1: that right right off 77 yeah yeah
2: we we couldn't get good directions to it and like oh really
1: it, it was really weird man it was Dang. weird that's, that sucks. It's right. It's super easy to find. Um, it's, bet- it's oh, shoot. Now see the the exit number always escapes me, but it, it's before you get to mineral wells, it's like the exit between mineral wells it, or uh Parkersburg and mineral wells. And uh, it's in on the trail of UFO's dark sky. We don't expressly say it. So people probably don't realize it, but there's a shot of like Shannon walking down the highway, the side of the highway. And that's actually at the spot where, okay injured would have been so it's right off 77 and when you see it it doesn't look like what you would imagine the the location being but but 77 at that point in time would have been like a two-lane road i don't think it was a a, you know an eight-lane or whatever it is six-lane highway whatever it is today right so it would have been a little different
2: what about like uh uh john keel kind of talked about this circle of
1: terror around there you know what i'm talking
2: about like yeah 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 through it where you could
1: walk in into it and and you'd you'd feel like crippling fear yeah
0: yeah. um
1: yeah i've always i've i've always talked about that because when we were there um you know there were definitely we've been in the tnt area so much late at night that at this point it's kind of like just being home or something like that but I do know when we were filming the first movie, and it was all kind of new to us, there were times where you would be out in the TNT area, and, and some of those things would come back to your mind, and you're like, am I going to encounter that? Uh, I forget what he called that. Like, yeah, I, I forget what he called that, but, but the uh, he would walk into this, it was almost like you walked through a wall, and were in this just like a zone of terror or something, and then you could walk right out of it, and you'd be fine. Yeah. And he said he almost
2: um, left his car because he
1: didn't want to walk back. Yeah, through. he didn't want to walk back through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's I mean, th- there's that. There's the, you know, the sort of like vo- disembodied voices in the sky that people would hear. Um, there's so much activity that took place around the area there during 66 and 67. Um You know, and I I do always wonder how much of it ended with the collapse of the Silver Bridge. I know the Mothman sightings didn't end; Um, people just stopped reporting them. But um, I wonder how much of the really strange activity actually stopped after the collapse of the Silver Bridge, or even has it? Yeah,
2: you know who knows what's still going on. I mean, that was one thing. Some of the locals we would talk to. would kind of allude to you're probably not going to run into mothman but you might meet some crazy people out here oh yeah (laughs) and like things like that and that's like you know in the back of your head too you're like oh man i'm gonna get like killed or something out here but
1: i don't think you're gonna get killed but you're definitely there's there's some characters in that town man like when we were filming when we were filming mothman legacy the first thing we saw when we rolled into town to shoot b-roll was the guy just break dancing his way down the sidewalk to like no music i don't know what he was doing we
0: and and
1: i mean i've been to that town probably a hundred times at this point at at one point i was going to move to point pleasant and set up shop there for sdm um but yeah there's always i always encounter some characters when i go there but i mean it's appalachia you you know anywhere you go in appalachia you're going to find your fair share of characters probably anywhere you go in
2: america really yeah. And I think it was a uh, Mothman legacy. There was a, a woman you interviewed and she said people come from Mothman, but they come back for Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's totally all I've thought about since leaving there was like, I just really liked the town.
1: Like I really yeah. enjoyed the atmosphere, you know? Yeah. That's what I said. I I legit wanted to move there um for a while. And I've always thought it's a really peaceful place, especially where you were talking about, um, you know down by where the silver bridge collapsed or the silver bridge was um and then down by Two where the the cornstalk monument is those are two of my favorite spots in town i think, yeah. I think there's, i've always had a real connection to those places so and the mexican point... restaurant there on main street downtown's real good which was <laughs> it the mexican restaurant right right downtown it's actually pretty good
2: oh um uh, 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 Rio Bravo,
0: right? It's like Rio Bravo 2 or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally ate <laughs> there. Yeah, what ha- Where's one at?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think they do either.
0: <laughs> they just did it, yeah. they probably did that just to get you know, uh, people to question, like, where's one at? But, um, so I guess I've never been there, so is, I guess is it pretty a real small town?
1: I mean, it's not tiny, you know, I mean, and, and especially if you combine it with Gallup Police across the river, I mean, Gallup Police is actually a pretty good size town. And, uh, I don't know if you got to go over there, but Gallup Police is, I mean, Gallup Police, the downtown, like the, the historic district is gorgeous, um, sits on the river. It's really beautiful. Um, but when you combine those two towns, it's actually a pretty good size area, you know, community, um, Point Pleasant itself is like 16,000, 17,000. So it's not tiny, It's not a tiny place by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, I would, I would consider it a small town, smaller town.
2: Well, I'll tell you this, the only 24 hour food establishment is a speed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Speedway. A speedway. That's all you're going to get late at night. So.
0: Yeah. Um, we was actually planning on going to, uh, the Mothman Festival, which is this weekend, ain't it?
1: Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be, yeah.
0: Oh, they canceled it.
1: Yeah, it was canceled. Yeah, it was actually last weekend, I think. It was. It would have been last
2: weekend. They still. Oh, okay. There was still some vendors that showed up, and I mean, it was there was a line, you know, to get into the museum Saturday. So I mean, they they still had a little bit of a turnout, but the big, you know, fifteen thousand people ordeal was canceled. Yeah.
0: I guess due to the spike and everything. Yeah. Well, um, we was planning on trying to go to that. And I, one thing I did notice is uh, Point Pleasant does not have many hotels at all, if they do.
1: No, I mean, Point Pleasant itself <laughs> only, has, only has one hotel that I know of. There might be another one sort of outside of town. Gallup, the has a number of hotels, but it doesn't matter. The hotels fill up about a year in advance. Um, the first year I went to the Mothman Festival, I had to stay in Ripley, which is about an hour and a half away, and that was only, I could only get one night in Ripley. The second night, I had to stay in Charleston, so it's not, uh, yeah, you, you want to, if you go to the, if you plan on going to the festival, you want to book about a year in advance. I'll actually be booking our hotel for next year in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we stayed at uh, Crown Point.
2: Um Ohio in a, a hunting cabin, which was just the most back road. That was the scariest experience of the whole trip. <laughs> was driving back and forth like to that cabin because it yeah. was all gravel road, windy oh, hills. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, um, I think the 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 hotel downtown. I can't remember the name of it. It's supposedly haunted.
1: Yeah, the low. It's probably yeah. haunted by bedbugs, and never, never take a black light in there. That's all I can tell you. So they're charging like three fifty a night.
0: Mm. You know, the wow. Yeah,
2: they're not playing. No, Damn,
0: they're proud of their bedbugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this ain't got nothing to do with uh, West Virginia or nothing, but I w- I recently listened to a podcast and they were talking about Clinton Road. Have you have y'all done anything with Clinton Road yet?
1: No, I don't even, I'm not familiar.
0: Well, I think it had kind of, there, there, I guess a lot of, uh, paranormal type stuff, but I think also the Jersey devil has been known to be around that area too. So that's why I didn't know if he might've messed with any of the Jersey devil stuff or anything.
1: Jersey devil. We're making a Jersey devil movie next year.
0: Next year. Oh, Okay. Well, yeah. well, I don't know if you can, uh, while you're doing it, look into Clinton road, uh, yeah. I think uh, it's, I can't remember what podcast it was I listened to, but uh, it definitely seems like a spooky area. It's a real long road where nothing is there, really, and a lot of paranormal stuff happens there, so, cool. uh, yeah, I wanted to bring that up, because, yeah.
2: We got the devil on our radar. I just gotta be prepared to, you know, deal with pineys I think they're called, right? The Pine Barrens area? Yeah. Yeah. The lawless land of the pineys. Yep. So, so that'll be fun.
0: So what's that? I I haven't heard of that.
2: The the Pine Barrens area, Leeds, New Jersey, is very you know, very rural, very you know, they they take care of stuff themselves. You know, oh, they're not okay. they're not calling the police type people.
0: Okay, I thought you might have to look out for the uh the Jersey Shore type people.
2: I'm yeah, I'm watching out for them too, for sure.
0: <laughs> well, the, the Guidos and the Guidettes. Yeah.
2: they are they're far scarier than anything the Pine Barrens has. I think
0: that would be a funny mockumentary to do. Call it, make them like cryptids. <laughs> the the Guidos, the new uh, yeah, I don't know. Stupid. They're definitely
2: mysterious,
0: <laughs> for sure. But uh, so um, so is that your next film you're working on is the Jersey devil? Oh no.
1: I mean, we've still got two movies coming out this year. We've got, uh, on the trail of Bigfoot, the discovery will be our next one out. And then we have, uh, on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman. Um, we will be filming on the trail of UFOs night visitors next week. We're going to be in Colorado starting next Wednesday. Um, and then and then the next movie we'll be filming will be the Jersey Devil movie um but we're also filming all our youtube series as well so there's i'm working on one called the Bigfoot project uh which is where we had all that activity last week uh and then we have another one coming out called on the trail of Bigfoot the ridge that'll be a series set on the Chestnut Ridge in Pennsylvania we're they're, we're doing a lot
0: yeah sounds like it um oh obviously uh well, I'm sure we'll be getting the press releases for it. We we get every one that comes out. Um hope hopefully um the website will be back up. My website got attacked oh, nice. Yes, yesterday, yesterday. So it's uh it's down right now. Awesome. But uh hopefully by the time your next film comes out, uh I'm sure Greg would love to review it. Yeah but definitely. uh so hopefully it'll be back going and uh we can post it there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, man, I, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, fun talking to you. Always yeah. looking forward to your, uh, what small town monsters will bring in next time. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Keep doing your thing. and We look forward to more.
1: Thanks man.
0: All yep. right. So there y'all go. Uh, that was Seth you Breedlove. Uh, again, thanks him. Thank him for, uh, uh, joining us. I hope y'all enjoyed that, but, uh, Greg, what do you got going on?
2: So, the plan right now, we have we have over 40 hours of footage, of course, to go through, um, you know, and, and start releasing our own videos. We're going to um, Next Adventures up to Hopkinsville and see if we can spot us some Kelly Hopkinsville goblins.
0: Oh, yeah, from like, what's that movie or that show? Uh... Hellier. That's it. I, think, I
2: think Hellier's probably what made him most famous, but, you know, um, of, of course, try to catch some, uh, monster catfish while we're there in that area.
0: Well, that's uh, pretty cool. Did y'all record video while y'all were catfishing as well?
2: Did it caught me, caught a 20 pound flathead.
0: So that would be cool though. You know, that might be a new take on the whole, like you said, uh, when Seth was on, uh, the whole, uh, cryptid and catfishing at the same time so you can have your own not niche i guess but yeah your own little spin on cryptid hunting
2: well we're outside it's night we're in spooky areas like if there's a a good chance of seeing something we're probably you know we we're gonna see it so
0: you know i guess you could do the little spin on it like we're just out here catfishing and uh hey might as well uh go look for the mothman
2: well, I'll tell you, we did everything we could think of to summon Mothman.
0: I guess he uh he's like I'm not going to give them what they want.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, he might have he might have hacked your website too, though.
0: Yeah,
2: fucker. But um we we are actually um our next big trip cuz we, we we're going to do some uh local stuff since there's been so many like Bigfoot sightings in the area lately. Yeah. Um, you know, we fish those rivers a lot. Um, so try to see what we can find. Um and then we wanted to go to Louisiana next year and do kind of a Rougarou thing. Um we've definitely got uh spots marked all over. Yeah. The well, the real dream is to head to Texas and catch alligator gar while looking for chupacabras. That
0: would go be mm-hmm. very cool yeah um shit i accidentally erased something anyways um well hell yeah let uh well i can't wait to see uh after y'all get everything done so you definitely have enough for uh um feature length or something right um, I I think we're gonna stick to the YouTube thing also. Um,
2: are you just gonna do clips or? Yeah, just kind of little like maybe twenty minute episodes. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, you know, I think we're just gonna kind of wait and maybe roll the whole thing out like early spring.
0: Um, Look, are you gonna do like Netflix does and just a mass release of all episodes, or do one a week? Um, I would like to
2: have a few of them like kind of sitting back just waiting you know to just keep people interested like i would i would hate to release the mothman one now and then we, we don't get to do the next one for you know three months or something for sure. people that forgot about us by then so
0: well it gives you time to edit the first one get it all together and all that good shit and hell you know uh you do kind of know a a sound guy or not a sound guy but a you know you, a composer. composer. I know a composer. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're planning
2: on going back to Point Pleasant too, man. We just fell in love with it, so.
0: Well, hell, let me let me know, man. We'll try to plan on it uh, with y'all, and uh, that would be uh, a lot of fun. We can, uh, you know, maybe get a bigger hunting cabin or something. And uh,
2: dude, it was scary up there, man.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. Too bad. Too bad they don't rip pontoons out there. Do they rip pontoons?
2: I got to tell you, the scariest moment, I think, of the whole trip was we were actually on the Gallipolis side. Don't ask me how to pronounce the name of that town. Everyone we talked to said it differently. So um, we were on that that side, Fishnay, Ohio, and about three o'clock in the morning, the thickest fog I've ever seen in my life rolled in. And I sent you a picture of it. So we had, you know two two of our friends are up front with spotlights, yeah. which you can't even see, you know, a foot in front of them, just looking for logs. You know, so we don't run into a log. And then Dan, who's driving the boat, the fish finder will actually keep track of your path. So he's just following the red line back. Right? He's basically playing a Nintendo game. Wow. Like trying, to, trying to get us back to the boat, dock, But, um, pretty convinced we were going to die that night
0: wow that's crazy so he had to use the fish finder just to get it was that's
2: that all, that's all he could do was just try to keep the little boat symbol on the red
0: line <laughs> damn that's crazy
2: yeah it was an adventure that's
0: awesome though that he had that you know uh had that option to do that so uh y'all could get out of there because If not, yeah, I'd probably just have to sit there or just slowly move or something. Well, you know, then you, you load the boat up and then you have to drive
2: through that holler and everything through all that fog. So it was like, I think once we made it back to the cabin, we were all just like physically drained. We were just like so
0: exhausted. Oh, I can imagine. But, um, so real quick before we get off here, uh if uh could you not pulled up your gps on your phone and it would uh kind of guided you a little bit or what is it Dude, there ain't there ain't
2: service nowhere around that place oh wow none of us none of us had service pretty much the entire trip there was a uh, one little corner of the porch that we would kind of take turns sitting at so we could like text people or we had to make a call but uh that was about it even even in town it was kind of sketchy but now nah, that red line is all you got
0: that's crazy well oh hell yeah man well as always man let's uh definitely do this again sometime um i appreciate you coming on telling us about your uh adventures and uh again thanks seth for coming on um uh, hopefully a pleasure. I would plug the website, but kind of pointless right now.
2: Mothman took it down.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to put that on social media. I'm going to take a, get a picture <laughs> of Mothman. I'm like, Mothman hacked my website because uh, we interviewed Seth Breedlove. Creepy bastard. Uh, yeah,
2: right there. He took you down.
0: We, uh, he knew we was interviewing Seth Breedlove, so uh, he uh, killed my site. <laughs> I'm hoping, yeah. man. I got... It don't matter. I'm not going to keep on... But, uh, yeah, so thanks for watching, y'all. Or listening, whichever you're doing. Tennessee, four news, and your sister, Demon Booth, where a death and portal goes, Belgian game has a